there has been a lot of talks around recessions and recession proofing your business. And today's discussion is kind of paraphrasing from that place. If you are going to recession proof your business, you are not just going to want to be serving the same clients you've been serving. This is a time where you are going to have to diversify your business and branch out horizontally to enable you to bring in more revenue. Because what you do, this is something that I learned in risk management when I was studying finance, is that by dispersing the risks, you actually, I, I forgot the name to how to say it, but the, my French is acting up right now as well at the, in the back of my head. So you amortization. I'm trying to say amortization. I'm trying to find a single word. Forgive me. But you, by spreading it that thin, you actually limit the risk of your business going under. Today is springboarding from that discussion of dispersing your risks to have, and spreading them so and your baskets not putting all your eggs in one basket you know the term the terminology so that you can bring in more revenue into your business and that is by bringing in another client and one of the biggest clients that you can score is a government client now today we are talking with dr kizzy parks who is a government um govcon known in, in the U.S., government contracting expert and mentor. And a lot of this can be extrapolated with uh, different countries, whether you're in Kenya, whether you are in Nigeria, whether you are in South Africa, whether you are in Europe, whether you are in Australia. A lot of these things can be extrapolated. Um, also, you have to understand that doing business with the government is completely different than doing business with private entities and the level at which you have to operate is completely different it's not the same thing okay so you have to understand that secondly you are going to have to have the patience of a god when you are dealing with government and she she touches on that in the discussion that we are having. Having worked with people from different parts of the world on that, I'm telling you, it's quite possible to branch into government contracting and really go from zero to 100 um, quite quickly or as slowly as you can. You either bring the help of support or business that's that. We support businesses that are trying to get into government contracting, doing the business development for them so that they can actually get more deals. So we work on the pipeline on their behalf. This is some of the backend services that we offer to other businesses. As well as either if you're going to do it, you want to get a mentor because we work on a consulting basis. Whereas you also have mentors such as Dr. Kizzy, who teaches you to do everything. So you either get a mentor, teaches you and you do it yourself, or you get a consulting firm like our own, where we actually become your business development team and do all the saving up and all the sourcing on your behalf. So there are different ways, like proposal writing and everything. So there are different ways you want to be looking at that. Okay, so 
that that is something you have to think about how you're going to want to do it are you going to be doing it alone it's it can be overwhelming the, the process can be overwhelming if you are trying to do it or are you going to outsource doing it and then you service the contract and there are different ways business development firms can come in in your business so if you are looking for such to know a little bit more about that you you want to reach out to me you want to book a consultation through the link below let's have a conversation on how we can support you like that but on this note um i'll leave the details to reach dr kizzy in the description box and let me know reach out to me on linkedin and let me know what you thought of this episode and if you have any suggestion for episodes for next year because we are bringing a lot more diversity into the podcast and into the channel so we are doing things differently so you notice that that we are changing it up we're not longer just focusing on the online business space so if you have any suggestion you have any topic that you want to us to speak on do you have any suggestions for guests as well so let me know so on this note don't forget to like subscribe share y'all not gonna keep it for yourself come on like we all trying to make that money so share and let's all get to the goal of making money on this note see you on the inside this is Bristol Bristania brought to you by West Digital Academy a show for business athletes and online bosses who are ready to take up oh in the meantime, as everybody is here, I wanted to give Dr. Kizzy the platform to be able to tell you guys a little bit about her story. I love to do this because um, I often find that when people share their stories, it gives others hope. Because if when you hear a story, she was $200,000 in debt and how she started, I think you will actually realize that they are, you have a lot of opportunities. So Dr. Kizzy, thank you for being here. Can you maybe share a little bit with people in the room how you got started with government contracts? Yeah, and thank you all so much for having me. I appreciate it, especially we're all on different time zones all over this beautiful world, which uh, is fantastic. So. I was, I was at work and I was walking down the hallway and out of nowhere, the director of research, he like popped up in this cubicle land and was like, Hey, you know, Kizzy, I heard you're graduating soon. I want to keep you on as a contractor. And I was just like kind of dumbfounded because he had never really talked to me before. We're in the middle of all these cubicles and I was like, okay, um, yeah, sure. And he's like, well, how much is it going to cost me? And I just threw out a number. I thought I was like negotiating and clearly I wasn't, <laughs> was not good at it then. And so it was a little less than a hundred thousand and he was so excited and he has like these bright blue eyes and he's like, yes, this is great. And he's like, I'll have my admin get in touch with you. And at that time, my focus was like, really narrow, like a really small, like a straw, almost like those little things they give you for coffee sometimes to stir. And my focus was diversity, uh, diversity and inclusion, data analytics, uh, research. And that's kind of why I was there. And then 
I realized, oh, I can get paid for this too, because I was also applying for jobs at the same time. So I took that and really ran with it. I became an expert in diversity and inclusion uh, in the federal and especially Department of Defense. And along the way, I started learning because I had no idea like what it meant to be a government contractor. I had no idea like business things like accounts payable, accounts receivable. You know, I had no idea that I was going to have to wait 30 days to get paid. So I used, um, excuse me, my 401k that I had um, from years from when I worked for, uh, I taught for a local school. So I borrowed against that. I used credit cards just to sustain my life. This wasn't to have an office and a fancy sign and a $100,000 website. (laughs) This was just to pay my bills because I had all the basics. I knew that they wanted to buy something I offered. I knew that I was getting money every month. I was on a a year-long contract. And then lastly, I started to realize, hey, there's more to this than just being paid for diversity and inclusion. There's this whole world of government contracting. So as time went on, I made a lot of mistakes. I got into debt well over $200,000. I hired bad people. I got scammed. I you know, went through it all. And so today we have over 100 people. I have three government contracting companies. Uh, we now provide staffing. We provide IT. We provide professional services. We still provide training and development. But we really shifted out of diversity and inclusion. Because what's really important is as an entrepreneur, it's about looking to see where you can go. And by offering diversity and inclusion, you can definitely build if you want a million dollar business, which I encourage everyone here to have that desire as a minimum goal. You can definitely bring in a million dollars, but you're going to have to do a lot more than just diversity and inclusion at the federal level. And so that's why a lot of the companies like IBM and others, they um, get involved in staffing in these other areas. So um, that's kind of where we are. We're based out of Florida and I have team members all over the United States. Amazing. Um, You actually kind of already jumped into um, one of the questions that I got from somebody that couldn't um, make it today. And their question was, because they are a coach, um, they offer coaching services, executive coaching. And one of the questions that they had was, do they only have to offer the area of expertise as to the government? Because one thing I saw was you, because when I recently was working on, uh, was a government contractor and they reached out to me like, Tanya, I need your help. Can you help make sense of this information? Now look the amount of information that I had to get through a problem. And thank God we now live in a world where we can 
where we can just research and I typed government contracting, American government contracting, and I started going through a lot of information. Then your channel popped up. Yeah. And I started looking at it. I'm like, finally, somebody that explains it and it makes sense. And it wasn't just the fluff, it was actually making sense and I could understand and help my client. And this is often what I believe is the problem that is an issue. One of the reasons that I actually invited you because you spoke in a way that made sense to anybody that wasn't into government contracting. And for that, first of all, I want to thank you because you saved me a whole lot of time because it's not easy. It's not it is not easy to make sense of the information. So one of the questions is, do you have to only do, if I'm an IT professional, do I only offer IT services to the government? Can I diversify? Can I offer other things? And also, what are the dangers? Because recently in one of your recent videos, you actually spoke about the dangers of not specializing so just mm -hmm. if you could maybe touch on that and what would be in the dangers if you are going to diversify okay i love this and thank you so much i'm glad that the channel was of help and i shared the link to the channel have tons of awesome videos so um when it comes to government contracting um here's the thing about kind of the diversification, right? Do you go really narrow, like the, the really tight straw, or do you do the, oh, I offer everything kind of thing? So my answer is, it's my favorite answer. It's, it depends, okay? So let me explain. I was in a place of, I just wanted a job. I was about to be Dr. Parks. And I was like, oh, wow, I can get paid for this. So <laughs> I didn't go in with a business plan and like forecasting. And I was not that person. I have come across those business owners of recent and I've become that person, but I'm not that person. So here's the thing. Number one, it's a very safe space in federal government contracting. So the fact that I can start off in diversity and inclusion and then springboard to staffing, IT training, where else can you do that? It's amazing. The other thing is a person who I mentor and who also co-teaches for me, Marcus, he was bartending. He was an extra in movies. He's a stunt double. And he, in three months, has made over half, about half a million in government contracts, tree trimming, fence materials, waste pickup. He has no background in these. So how I look at this is what are you interested in really doing and how quickly do you want to do it? So if you're interested in, hey, I just want to win a contract, kind of like a, a, a proof of action, a proof of stake, I'm into crypto, <laughs> like a proof of concept, right? Then I encourage you go into kind of these low risk areas. These are areas where the government may base the evaluation 
meaning how they figure out who we're going to give it to on price or maybe you provide a couple references and low level can be tree trimming. Sometimes it's IT, sometimes it's training. It runs the gamut because those are going to be easier to win than mid and high level. Because sometimes the government may ask you for your profit and loss and balance sheet and the um, insurance package you offer your employees. Those are more high level kind of opportunities. And so it's, it's almost like if you start a company and you want to sell risk guards and you're like, oh, I immediately want to get into Walmart. Maybe you need to bring it down. You know, maybe you start selling a few to friends or you take out Instagram ads. You start a brand. Now we're working our way up to getting inside a Walmart. The same is with the government. You don't just start out like, oh, I'm going to get a hundred billion dollar contract. hundred billion dollar contracts exist. This is not making up numbers. This is not fantasy. It's about you got to start somewhere and only you know where it's comfortable to start. There are people who are very narrow and do a really good job. There are people who are narrow. I had people sub to me like that who focused in diversity or focused in training and they would just subcontract and make six figures a year. There was my mentor. She started out in training and she had this graph and she was like, okay, so we started out training. We're a million. I got a mentor. This is her talking. She's like, and then now look at us, Kizzy, we're at 20 million a year. And because she diversified and starting going into these areas where you had larger contracts, because she wanted to grow her business and sell it, which she did for, I believe, about $10 million she sold her company. So it's, again, what's right for you. It's just the, the danger is if you're too broad and you go out there, I can do everything, people are skeptical. If you're too narrow, then it's hard for people to work with you too because they might not have, want, or need what you're offering. So it's like you got to be in that middle kind of ground and be flexible. I think you're lovely. So this gives me the springboard into my next question. What are the benefits? What are the pros and cons of starting to do business with the government? Okay, so I'm going to start I'll start with the cons first because there's a lot of myths. Like people will say stuff to me, like, like it's so weird. People, some people will be like, oh, you just got government contracts because you're a minority or they just give black people contracts. And I mean, I don't really know. I mean, maybe there's some place in the world where you get stuff because you're black. I mean, if that's the case, then please show me where this is. Can we all just get in on that? Because that doesn't happen in the government. So let's just say this, okay? The biggest con is the fake information. I sometimes believe it's a lot like what Facebook did. I'm not sure if you all are aware of this, but there was this time where these articles would pop up like, oh my gosh, there's this horrible TikTok trend kids are eating pencils, you know, and it's like, oh my gosh, TikTok's so bad. Kids are trying to hit their teachers. And it just seemed, and it was like all over the news, right? Well, apparently 
Facebook was behind these articles being put out there because TikTok is taking their audience, right? Because it's business at the end of the day. We're talking billions of dollars. So imagine Facebook went so far to have these articles written about TikTok. What do you think people are doing in the federal government when the government spends over $600 billion a year? Making it seem hard for you. Making it seem hard for me. Making it seem hard for all of us. So the biggest con is our mindset. Because you got to get through oh, it's hard. Oh, but apparently they only give it to this person or this person. And but am I going to really be able to get a contract? What do I really offer? It's, that's the biggest con because people easily feed it. So that's the thing you got to overcome is yourself and realize, hey, I can do this. When people start to put up all of these artificial barriers and walls, it means because there's some real good gold behind there. And so that's the biggest con is all these myths. Now, the other thing is, I mean, I think this is fun and a pro, but I know not everybody's like this. It is is not black and white, period. So people will say, again, going back to the noise, it's the government. They have all these rules. They're so strict. No, they're not. No, they're not. They're people. There's people who are like very strict. There are people who are like, I don't care. There are people you ain't even going to be able to get in touch with. And so one of the cons is, which again, I think is a pro, but you know, you have to be able to ebb and flow like a boxer. I mean, you really have to be light. You really have to realize they are your client. Even if you served in the military, and this has nothing to do with whether you're in the United States or not. This has nothing to do with that. We're just talking, engaging with agencies. Every single one is different. Just like every single proposal is different. I don't really, again, think it's a a con, but I'm just bringing up things that people have shared with me that they think is a con. And these are things where I'm going to tell y'all in the very beginning, which I've been in this space over 15 years and have been awarded well over $50 million, well over that. And in the beginning, I found a lot of these things to be, I thought they were cons. I don't know how to write a proposal. Why would people want to pay me? What is it that I really can offer them? This doesn't make sense. Why does this person at the Air Force talk to me like this and somebody else talks to me this way? Um, The other kind of con is, I mean, you're not paid instantly. This isn't a situation where you receive your money like that. There are instances where you can with a government purchase card. Usually you have to wait 30 to 60 days, but here's the deal. We've done work with Walmart. We had to wait 90 days. We currently do work with IBM. We typically had to wait 90 days. The only reason we don't anymore is because now we pay Citibank a fee to get our money faster. So it's one of these situations where in business in general, there's cons, but it's about are these real cons or are these things that are set up so that it distracts you so you move all over your 
attention from TikTok to Facebook, right? Is it really that? The pros um, are, <coughs> excuse me, the pros happen to be that you get paid. Somebody's unmuted. Okay. The pros are that you always get paid. There's never a situation where I'm like, oh man, the Air Force screwed me over. I didn't get paid. I mean, like, I never use those types of words to ever talk about my clients. And I promise you, they never like not paid us. Like, we've always been paid. Now, when I first started my company, in 08 is when I incorporated shortly after I had to sue someone because he didn't want to pay me, but he wasn't with the federal government. So the, he ended up, we, we, I always win my cases. So I was victorious. The thing is um, they always pay. So that's, what's beautiful. And not only do they pay, it's automatic into your bank account. That's what I love about them. The other thing that's amazing about the federal government is you have contracts that last five years and above often. And so we have a $23 million contract, for instance, with the FDA. So every month we invoice a set amount of money and we've been doing it for almost five years and the recompete is up soon. So I don't have to worry about, do, oh my God, do, I got to get another client. Oh my gosh, this project it's over, but what am I going to do about the holidays or what am I going to do about my roof or my mom or my cousin or my kid or my, you know, I don't have to worry about these ups and downs and ups and downs that I did when I first started out because I had one little area I focused in on. I don't have to worry about that. So that's a, a huge um, pro. And then the last one is you can easily diversify y'all. I mean, it blows my mind. Like we had a client who was like, hey, uh, can you guys fill a warehouse position? And I was like, why can't we? I mean, I've worked in factories as a young person. <laughs> and so it's one of those places where seriously, you have big multi-billion dollar companies who on their website, they seem like an IT firm. In reality, they're staffing Department of Justice positions, right? In addition, because they understand money, profit, long-term contracts. So that's what's really cool about the government. And you can sell services, you can sell products, you can sell technology, you can do research, there's grants. It's just, it's really open. It's just a matter of you deciding, hey, that's the path I want to go. So those are kind of what I see as the pros and cons. Thank you so much for answering that because um, you, you already started touching on my next question and I'm sure that people in the room would be wondering, like, how do I start? Because uh, one thing I've learned, there are different type of orders. And the most interesting thing that I found out about America was that a small business is, is a business that is doing less than $30 million. And I was like, $30 million is a small business? Okay. So that was very interesting. So one thing I want to touch on, where do they start? If somebody wants to start today, where do they go? 
what are simplified purchase orders? Because those are usually, I have found that those are the easiest and they are within a certain amount. And what is, would be a simplified purchase order for the government is a multi six figure contract for a small business. So could you maybe touch on where they start, how do they start, and what are the steps that they need to take? Do they need to learn how to write proposal, go take a course? <laughs> that one is actually the next best one. And I know that I know what you're about to say, but let's share the good news <laughs> with them. And all these are great. And I love what you said. Um, I can't emphasize enough that this is a very cutthroat area. You know, I, I say this to people and they kind of look at me like I said, there's green aliens on my face, you know, like they really give me that, you know, and, and it really is a cutthroat space. So as a result of that, I want you to think about this, y'all. Like if you have to, you can even close your eyes. Think about this. You have a company like IBM, International Business Machine. Pretty much everybody here, you probably heard IBM. All of us, no matter where we live. They are doing billions. They're doing like Elon money, right? Billions a year in revenue. So even if I have a business that's doing 50 million, how do I compete against that? How do I do that? Because in the government, you're small or you're large. That's it. That is why small seems so big. Because they know once you're no longer small, you got to compete against that. You got to compete against them up there. <laughs> you know what I mean? So I just wanted to put that out there. Now, and, and I get it. Don't worry, y'all. I like to stay small purposely because I don't want to compete against them. That's why I do work with them. I don't want to do that. I don't need to be in the NBA. I'm good. I'm good over here with my international travel gig and my sponsorship and YouTube channel. You know, you know these are just trying to give analogies. So you get started. Number one, you go to sam.gov, www.sam.gov. Even if your business is not in the United States, it doesn't matter. I believe you will get what's called like an N cage. I think it's N is a Nancy cage. And don't worry, sam.gov has done all the work for you. They have a whole checklist if you are not, and if your business is not headquartered in America, because something else to keep in mind, y'all, we have loopholes in America where you can get different tax benefits by having your company headquartered in another country. So there's a lot of famous companies who are not headquartered in America. So just so you're aware of that. So you can register your business. You go on sam.gov. Is it a pain in the butt? Is it going to take you some time? Yes. But you have me. That's why I shared the Facebook group. That's why I have the YouTube channel. Because again, when people start putting up barriers, it's because there's gold back there. And if you're able to get through the SAM.gov process, you're going to be able to get through the, hey, um, can you guys get me 20,000 cases of powdered milk? And you're going to be like, of course I can. What, when do you need it? Y you know, and these are real things. This happened with one of my students. Barrels of Prison asked him for powdered milk, butter, and margin. 
<clears throat> and this is not his area of focus. And he's been in this industry like five, six months, maybe by now. <laughs> so, okay. So sam.gov is where you start. You're going to apply for a UEI. I, if possible, I would do Sam on a tablet, on the window, you know, on, on a browser. Um, sorry. Yeah. Something like that. And if you need help, Don or anyone else, please reach out to me. It's, I'm going to give you my email address. I, I've been, I gotta, I gotta get a little on top of my email y'all. I've been, uh, I'm not going to lie. I've been slacking in my email, you know, because I'm not perfect. You know, I'm building all my empires here. So, but email me, I will get in contact with you and let me know you were on this Facebook live. You were on this live. So, <clears throat> okay. Sam.gov, you're going to put, you're going to apply for a UEI. They're going to ask you a ton of questions and here's what you must have. If you are in America, please have a copy of your IRS EIN number. Number two, the name on your EIN IRS form must match what you enter. You need to put in the same address. Do not use some bootleg, I'm sorry, y'all, no judgment, but please don't use some bootleg made up virtual address. Ah, government's going to kick it back, y'all. You need a physical address or a virtual office that's in a real building, not some made up address that Google has, like a real address. And, and I say this because for real, like it will be kicked back. Everything must match. So I had one woman I'm mentoring. She, she had a spelling error on her IRS form. Okay. You got to enter it in incorrectly. You can do a DBA doing business as it all must match. I'm just giving you these tips because if not, you're going to face even more issues with Sam. They're going to ask you to upload these documents. I always advocate that you get a business license. If I had one here, I'm in my Michigan home right now. I would show you an example of it. I think it's really important to get a business license or a business tax ID. They're usually like $100. Every city and state in America differs. So I'm just speaking for US right now, okay? Because the more evidence you can show them that you're a legit business, the better. I'm about to get to that right on. For those of you not in the US, you will go to a website and you're going to create an N cage, I believe is what it's called. And Sam.gov, I'll see if I can pull it up quickly while I'm talking at the same time. Sam.gov has outlined all of this for you as far as what you need to do. And when you go to Sam.gov, you're going to go to entity registration. This is for everyone, regardless of where you're located. They also have a frequently asked questions area. They have a phone number. They have an email address. They're really cool people. And the best part is if you don't get the answer you want, call back again until you talk to somebody who gives you the answer you want. It's like any other call center. <clears throat> okay. Um, let's see. Getting started. I'm getting, they have an entire checklist. I think, oh no, because it's on a thing. I am going to share some things here. Ah, here it is. I'll cut and paste. Oops, no, I won't. I'll send you the link. Open link. Okay. Of what they want. So they have an entire checklist. It's like an Adobe download. 
Um, and the way it's set up, I can't um, share it. But when you go to sam.gov entity registration, entity checklist, and it walks you through it. So for those of you who are not headquartered in the US, it says in cage code. If your entity is based out of outside of the US, you must go to the NCAGE request tool and request an NCAGE code before starting in SAM.gov. So then as soon as you start, as soon as you get that code, then you continue with the checklist. And then they share with you what they need from you. And it's, I promise you, it's way easier than what people have made it to be. Um, and all of those things, it's again about if you want the pot of gold, you got to put in the effort. You know, it's easy to be like, this is hard or I couldn't upload my ID. OK, I, I don't tell you. I mean, I've been in this space for 15 years and it's not because I'm cute and have normally pretty curly hair, but it's because I just put up with it. I understand it. I ebb and flow. Right. Like I'm a boxer. So, yes, you can be outside of the U.S. and register. They're cool with that. They don't have problems with that. What they have problems with are people who don't want to persevere or listen to instruction. That is not going to lead to a good career in government contracting. Okay. Once you get through the first part of SAM, you're going to get a UEI and they may kick it back. I have, I have something registered right now for since 2017 and they're giving me problems. So it's just like, it is what it is, y'all. So then they're going to say, hey, you've been assigned this UEI, you get excited, but that's only the first part. Then they're going to ask you more questions. And this is for people inside of the United States, outside of the United States, I'm not sure. So inside of the United States, then they'll say, please complete these steps to get a cage code. Your cage code is a unique identifier. And that means, blah, now you can bid on government contracts as a prime. The thing that's interesting about the federal government, at any time, you can be a subcontractor. I could hire any one of you right now to work on any of our government contracts. I literally have people in Egypt and in the UK who support some of our government contracts. None of these people are in SAM.gov. None of these people are American. But they all support these contracts. So you can do this as a sub, as a prime, meaning you have the contract, you must get the cage code. Now, <clears throat> from there, it's to your question of how do you find these simplified acquisitions? How do you find these things? And I equate it to hunting. I'm not an avid hunter. I've like never been hunting, but I think it's just the best kind of analogy. And it's not meant to offend anyone who's not into hunting. It's just, hey, I think it's something we all can relate to. And that is you have to figure out, well, where are the deer? So right now here in beautiful Michigan, it's deer season. And so where are the deer? How are you going to get the deer? Where are we going for the deer? What kind of deer? And so you can go to sam.gov. You can go to Unison. You can go to Nico. You can go to um, FedConnect. There's a ton of places to go to find the opportunities, the bid, the deer. But if you're trying to hunt a deer and all you have is just yourself and your bare hands, listen, I'm not trying to say you can't take down a deer. But the likelihood of you getting a deer with just your bare hands, I don't know. I feel like it's going to be quite low. So you have to have the right tool, the right, right weapon. You have to understand things about deer. You need to, there's so much that goes into it. 
And that's the big piece for government contracting and why I don't push for, you got to understand proposals because you need to understand the bid busters. You need to figure out, is this opportunity for you? Can you win the opportunity? What do they really want? All of this before, oh, I'm going to write a proposal. Oh my God, I got to hire somebody. Oh my God, calm it down, calm it down. I get it. For me, it's like looking at men on dating apps back in the day. I got a man though. And, you know, I get all excited, like, oh, he's so cute. And I can like picture the wedding and everything. And our kids, it's like, well, you got to roll it back, girl. You haven't even met this man or heard his voice. And so that's how I am with these contracts is like, you have to go through the bid busters and really understand what do these people really want? What's really going on? Because I promise there is an abundance of opportunities abundance, y'all, abundance, tons of them. And you don't need two years of experience. You don't need experience. And y'all, you don't have to start small. You can out the gate win a million dollar contract. The size of the contract does not dictate your ability to win it. It's whether it's low risk, medium risk, high risk, and how they're grading you like a teacher. It really is that. Marcus, for instance, we bid, I helped him bid on a contract, 1.9 million. Now, we didn't win it because it was lowest cost. The winning bid was 1.4 million. They didn't reevaluate experience. They didn't care that Marcus was a bartender five months prior. They just wanted trees trimmed for over the course of like a year. You know, I worked on an opportunity with one of my VIP clients. We put in a bid for $8.9 million for IT services. They didn't want past performance. They just wanted to go based on the price. $8.9 million for five years. So, again, it's that, this is why the mindset is so important here. Because one of the biggest things I learned was um, <clears throat> it's actually more difficult, and I have found this to be true to manage the smaller contracts than the bigger ones. And I know many people put out there, oh, you get these simplified acquisitions. You get, there's all these little contracts. They just want to give them out. Okay, if that's the case, then why are you hustling a course all the time? Listen, I'm not against hustling a course. I sell coaching, but I have three government contracting companies and over 100 people. I do this because I love this stuff. Like I bleed little government contracts, Sam.gov, little hat is like oozing out of my being all the time. So my thing is there are opportunities with the federal government, typically when they're under $250,000 where the competition is quote unquote lower. But y'all, it's not about the dollar amount. It's about the level of risk. If it's something where they're like, look, we just want the trees trimmed. We just want to make sure somebody's taking the calls at the help desk. We want to make sure the walls are painted. We want to make sure the trash is picked up, the snow is removed, or they have contracts all over the world. They may need some buildings painted in different parts of Africa or in the UK. And I'm serious. They don't, they have contracts all over America. I mean, all over the world, y'all. So when it's low risk, they just want the job done. And that's a great place to enter because then you can get second money and do all these other things. So in a nutshell, sam.gov, if you have a business headquartered outside of the United States, please click, and I'll put it on here again, go to this link, 
SAM.gov has a plethora of information. Don't give up with SAM.gov. Call, email, get a ticket until you get the right answer. There's a woman who is a very good friend of mine and does work for me. And she's been in the middle of this process for about four months, right? And finally, she was like, Kizzy, I got my UEI. I called again and this woman took care of it because it's meant to help in a way keep you out. Because if you can't get through the SAM.gov process, then how in the heck are you going to deliver to the Marines fencing products? How are you going to do that? So these are things to think about. Next is the bidding. And that is going through the different opportunities and realizing you got to understand them. Um, the third part of that is just realizing that, you know, there's a lot of different options out there, a lot of different areas for you to kind of go into. And you don't have to be an expert. You don't have to have experience. It's about what area do you like? What area do you want to get paid for? What areas are going to bring you the profit that you're looking for? And I'll, I'll kind of close with this. There's a gentleman who I interviewed by the name of Jerry. He's 76, I believe. He's real cool. He's in Arkansas. And he sells $10 million of products to the VA. After the call, he was like, Kizzy. And I met him in person recently. He's like, Kizzy. We get most of our stuff from Walmart. I was like, oh my goodness, this is nuts. And so, but at the same time, I know his profit margins can be razor thin, but when you're making 10 million, that's a good life. That's a way for you to generate and create wealth. So I put that all out there just to kind of show you what's possible. I'm going to turn it back over to you because I'll just talk y'all's ear off because I really just love this space so much. Thank you, Dr. Kizzy. Thank you for sharing all that. And that's, um, I'm not like an affiliate or anything. And anybody that knows me, um, that has been around my brand a lot of times, I don't just give people the platform to come all in front of my community. So one of the reasons I really wanted to get Dr. Kizzy here was because out of all the information I had to help my client with, she was the one that really put it properly. It was not the fluff, it was not the sizzle and keeping the steak. Like she explains it properly and you understand because there's a lot of misconception, especially even with external companies. Oh no, I need to be uh, based in America. All these things, it's mess, it's mystical. So for anybody here, we got Dr. Kizzy here. Y'all, a program is not that expensive, but it's, it's a pretty penny. So if you have a question, she's here, she's in front of you. If you don't wanna unmute, drop your question in the chat, ask it so that you can actually speak to her and get her to to answer your questions if you have something that you would like to ask. Otherwise, we almost, the time is almost up. I'm going to close the room. So anybody, any questions? I have a question. My name is Andrea Shad. Forgive me for not sharing my, um, my face on camera. Um, I didn't comb my hair this morning. <laughs> so... 
Um, That's all right, Andrea. <laughs> so I, I appreciate um, you guys having this and thank you for, you know, allowing me to, to ask my question. I um, went on sam.gov uh, sam and I put in to get the number and forgive me for not knowing what all of this is called right now. I just tried to go on sam.gov just so that I would have the correct terminology, but I guess the system is down and it's not sending me the code for me to actually get in. So they created an incident report to find my business. And then I guess they found my business and then I was um, I had that I was pending the, to get the ID number. But when I went back in Friday, it was like I had done nothing. Um, and so I wanted to know what would be the reason why, you know, I didn't get an email, I didn't get anything. <laughs> To even know, you know, okay, what did, is my name, is this incorrect? I did email over to them um, a copy of my, um, the EIN, um, or I don't, I emailed things over to them with all my information. So I really was like, okay, so why is this happening? <laughs> and what should I do next? Should I go in and reapply? What is, what's going on? So that's my question. No, I love that question, Andrea. I get that question a lot. And I'm actually creating a video where I register not one, but two companies on SAM. So I can capture in real time, just, you know, my experience going through it. Because as I said, during this, I have to revalidate it. And they just shut my company off. They were like, we made it. We turned it. I don't remember what term they used, but I was like, oh my gosh, they're so funny. They're so cute. So I first take this perspective of like, oh, they're so cute <laughs> because um, Andrea, I mean, it, I know this does not, this is not what anybody wants to hear. And in some ways it goes counter because we have this mindset like government, U.S. government, da, da, da. No, it's like, um, like a discount store. Like we have this store here in Muskegon, Michigan, y'all. They have bins. And on like Wednesday, it's $7. I think Thursday, it's $4. I think Friday, it's like 30 cents. It, I mean, I'm not kidding. It's this weird thing. And people are lined up. And you go in the bin and whatever you pull out is the price for that day. And as you can imagine, it looks insane in there. It's stressful. There's people, there's stuff, there's babies, there's toddlers, there's people of all different backgrounds. That's what Sam.gov is like. It's chaotic. It's chaotic. And, but you get a good deal. You know, my brother got me some earbuds for like $7, some good ones too. And so to answer your question, one, just accept it's going to be chaotic. They're not going to email you all the time. They're not going to call you. You're not going to get the warm and fuzzy. You're not getting that. Instead, email them, call them, and and enter tickets. It's best if you can call and you literally call and you call and you call and you call until you get the answer you seek. Because if without this, you can't bid as a prime. So it's one of those things where if you want that bargain, you're going to have to stand in line. You better wear comfortable shoes. You're going to have to have a little fanny pack. 
or and you're going to have to maybe bring somebody so they can hold the stuff you find in the bins because if you put it down somebody's going to take it from you that's how it is with sam.gov you got to come in with every tool and device like you're in a video game collecting things and that's how you will get in it may not take a uh, may not be fast people may say no that's not what you do again you call back until somebody gives you the answer you want that's what you keep doing andrea and don't give up oh i see somebody has their hand raised too KB, I'll go ahead and 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 Mike, uh, so that you can. Thank you so. Thank you, and thank you, Tanya, for having um, this wonderful uh, meeting today. And thank you, Dr. Parks, for sharing your insights. Um, so I've been in business over twenty years. I am in Sam's.gov. Have done a little business there, but most of it has come from sole sourcing where I worked directly with agencies and they, they went through sams.com to pay me. Um, my question is, would you recommend, cause I want to go after the larger contracts that you've been talking about. Would you recommend going after an area that's aligned with my business or my services that I have been providing or going for something totally different as an initial launch to a million dollars or multi-million dollar contract? Well, first and foremost, congratulations on getting contracts by creating relationships, what I call creating your own ocean. So you're not competing with all of us. You don't have as many sharks in that ocean. Congratulations on that. And also, you know, congratulations on, you know, thinking outside because it's like we're programmed to think like expert, we're gonna go that way. That's what we should focus in on. So my answer is you go after what people will because. buy. And I'm gonna sh share this link with you all. So that's why you may have heard some sounds. Uh, this is one of my favorite interviews with Kimberly Kidd. And so here's the, this is the best example. So Kimberly Kidd is married. I think she might have three children. I know she recently gave birth and she worked in a corporate environment and decided she wanted to get out of it. But her whole area was IT. So she kind of looked into IT at the federal level. She was not a government contractor per se necessarily before. And all of a sudden, her very first contract for half a million dollars was for HVAC heating, cooling. And she's built this entire company all around that. She even has a 10-year contract. And so I shared the link so everyone here can listen to the full interview, because what I love about it is she shows while IT is her thing, and you can tell she's very project management oriented, she was like, I'm not going to try and sell that. Because that's more, with some, it's more mid medium to high level difficulty. Barrier to entrance, can you please heat and cool the building, y'all? This is horrible, we need this fixed. It's a low level thing. So now it's just a matter of who can do it? How much is it gonna cost? Can we get the people there? Can we get the parts? Do they have a Buy American Act? And bam, she got a half a million dollar contract and has no experience in HVAC, none. And so, um, I say you go where the money is. It's no different than like 
McDonald's, Burger King, you know, the, the way McDonald's and Burger King are branded in different, in, you know, if you have them in South America, I mean, South Africa is way different than in Muskegon, which is different than in California, which is different in Florida. Why? Because they want to make the most money that they can at every location. So they're going to change up things. Or maybe they're going to shut down a location. Maybe uh, McDonald's, they're going to buy another brand because they're like, oh, man, everybody's into this fake meat. Let's buy us a fake meat company. You know, so the same applies to us. I'm all about what is going to bring me profits that I also like, because there are some things we don't do. I don't staff priest and I don't do anything around sexual assault, harassment, prevention. Other than that, as long as it doesn't violate any of our values, I'm game. But it's again, you know, it's about what you're open to. And I just like to give what the market wants. If the market wants a triple fried sandwich with spinach on the side, hey, there you go. I'm going to make it for you. Yeah, I'm not going to eat it, but that's just me. Okay. <laughs> I hope that it's a thank you so much. That's been very helpful. All right. Thank you. Okay. Any more questions? Anyone with any more questions? Any question? And Joseph, no I question? responded to you. So I just wanted to let you know I got him. Okay, cool. Awesome. Okay. So uh, Dr. Kizzy, um, how do people, I know you've shared your details earlier, but some people can late. Okay. Uh, Tiffany's asking, how do we find out if an opportunity is low risk? A low risk opportunity is all about how they are grading it. It's called evaluation factors. It's how is that agency determining how they're going to give the award. That's at the end of the day, what determines the risk level. Because usually the more stringent the requirements, the more risk there are for them. So for instance, there's some contracts where they want 20 people doing something, okay? It doesn't matter what they do, it's people. And maybe the agency will ask you for your profit and loss, your balance sheet, your benefits. Do you have a line of credit? They may even ask you for a, for a letter from your bank. And all of this is code for the last contractor didn't pay the people. And we actually won a contract like that where we found out that two contractors before us ran off with the money. So it's high risk because people will say, oh my gosh, I can do that. 20 people. Oh, that's so easy. You know, this is great. Even Kizzy said, dream big. Everything is possible. And then you're like, oh my God, I got no money. And so, <laughs> um, so point is that's high risk because maybe they were burned. Or maybe it's high risk because they require a top secret clearance or a secret clearance, right? So these are all of the things I would consider high risk. Medium risk is kind of like a blend of both. They might want what's called a past performance questionnaire. They may want from you um, really elaborate examples of things you've done in the past. They may want you to provide resumes. So now we're talking about you're putting in a little more resources to get those because they want, again, for you to show proof, those receipts that you have what they need. And then a low level is usually just 
they're, they care about price or there may be some other little factors, but it's like, we just need this done. You know, there's like this urgency and you can easily put yourself in their position because who wouldn't want trash picked up? Who doesn't want snow removed? Who doesn't want trees trimmed? Who doesn't want a wall painted? Who doesn't want heating and cooling? Who doesn't want portables, toilets and showers and housing, right? It's those kinds of things. So um, hopefully that helps you out, Tiffany. And if not, feel free to email me, join the Facebook group. I'll put that there too. Um, and the opportunities for all businesses, all regions, you can bid on anything, anywhere, anytime. Opportunities are released on sam.gov 24 hours a day because um, you have locations um, everywhere across the globe. So that's the really cool thing about it. Um, a last question. I know that some people might be wondering. Okay, I just came across Dr. Parks last week, and I thank you for what you have provided. Yes, and I have to email and request her to join the group. Yes, she's wonderful. <laughs> so a quick question. I know that some people will ask because um, I've um, before I invited you, anybody that's been around knows that I was ranting a few weeks back on LinkedIn about RFPs and my love and hate relationships with RFPs because most of the time you don't get paid on time and sometimes you have to deliver before you get paid. How do people, you just want a $1 million contract but they don't have money to pay the people that need to deliver on the contract. How do I know how to do it, but I just want you to share the information with other, the others. How do they access financing to be able to service the contract? Um, after this, I think we will wrap up if there's no other questions. And feel free to join Dr. Park's group Facebook group. I think the link has been shared twice already. So, yeah, I would highly recommend well, I, I love this and I'm going to um, share another video on this topic too for you to check out. So here's the deal. It's kind of, you have a couple of roads. So it's like, woo, you won the contract and then you're like, oh man, how am I going to pay for this? If it's products and services, um, what's nice is if you can negotiate ahead of time hey, I'm going to pay you when I get paid, when I win this contract, um, or maybe can I just put down a down payment? You're going to have to negotiate with the provider of the thing, right? And so that's, that's kind of the approach because typically if you're reselling like a phone case or wrist guard or medical products or whatever it is, fence products, they're going to want the money ahead of time. So negotiate to try to only put down a certain percentage and have documents signed with them ahead of time so that everybody is aware and there aren't any surprises. When it comes to um, staffing or services, and it could be any kind of services. When I say services, it's basically anything a human being is doing. It's basically it. It could be anything. It could be creating an ID card. It could be digging a hole. It's anything. So with services, there are companies, and I have an interview um, with Matt, there's companies like the one who Matt is connected to, who and will, not only that you're sorry paying. about that, who will purchase your 
um, invoice and, and it's called factoring. And they'll provide a factor amount on your invoice for a nominal fee. Usually with these companies, it's preferable if you connect with them prior to the award. But hey, I never did any of this. I didn't connect prior. I didn't have a business plan. I had. I ended up one point accumulating six hundred thousand in debt. I don't have that anymore. I don't do that anymore. So I'm not suggesting you follow that route. What I am suggesting is that you take an offensive thinking ahead, being forward approach. So there are companies who will buy them from you, and then there's also you can look into a line of credit from a bank. This is why I can't speak to other companies. Um, definitely for um, in the U.S., you want to have a relationship with a smaller bank because they're going to be more apt to give you a line of credit. And sometimes it, it, you can get the line of credit like that. So for instance, we have three bank accounts. We have a bank account with Cogent Bank, who I'm going to share, and you don't have to be in Florida to have a Cogent Bank account or anything like that. And if you're in another country, maybe they can work with you too. And if you want my point of contact, her name is Gina, I can share that. So I like small banks because they're more apt to give you a line of credit. A bigger bank, like of a Bank of America, a PNC, usually they're going to want things that you may not have or may not support your case, regardless if you've won a $20 million contract. They don't care. It's business, right? Remember, a small business in comparison to an IBM is night and day. It just is dollars-wise. And they want an IBM all day, every day is what they want for these bigger businesses. The other thing is there are also these small, these companies where you can take out loans really quickly and you can, you'll pay a higher rate. So Cabbage is one of them. They were purchased by American Express. Um, I know the Intuit brand, they have several where you can do that. But again, you're going to pay for that. So it's something that you're going to have to factor into your pricing when you do the pricing, or you're going to have to take it as a learning man, I didn't do my numbers right. Hey, I've, been, I've done that many a times. It's a learning tax. You brush it off and you move on. Lastly, credit cards, 401k, friends and family. I mean, I even gave a complete stranger off of Facebook. I know it's going to sound weird. I gave her $1,000 because she won a contract for televisions for the state of Louisiana and she was like, I don't have enough money to pay for them. And I thought, well, you know, if I never get my $1,000 back, that's fine. I, I'm not doing it to get clout or to brag. I'm just doing it because I've been in those situations and I understand. And sure enough, I not only got my money back, but she gave me some, I got a little, I earned a little interest on it. So it was really cool. And at the end of the day, she delivered. And that's why I did that. Because you want to be able to deliver. And the government is not prepaying you. That's another myth that's out there. The only time you might be able to get money ahead of time is if there's some kind of bonding involved. But other than that, it, it doesn't work like that. And so it's on each and every one of us as a business owner to find that capital. No different than a tech startup, no different than an Amazon, no different than an IBM. We all have to figure out how to get access to the capital. And then I will say this. Because the Small Business Administration has different loans and often people are like, oh, I'm going to apply for this loan. I need this loan. You don't need a loan. This is not something that you need to get ahead of time.
at all. It's about you want to be prepared, but you don't have to take on debt. What's important is you want sales and you want long-term projects. That's what you want. So um, hopefully that helped. Please feel free to join the Facebook group. It's free. Please connect with me um, on my channel. Feel free to email me. Um, I have a recent video up talking about funding because that keeps coming up again and again, especially people who kind of go into this middleman approach and, and they think it's going to lead to riches and rainbows and it does not for everyone. Yes, the middleman approach. Yes, 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 yes. I've heard so much about it. I was like, mm. I think because I had experience working with um, government contracting companies around other parts of the world, the UK and the and Australia and South Africa. And if you're in the UK, actually the UK, ironically, the UK system is so similar to the US system that it was mind-boggling. So that was um, something that I learned that the middleman approach you actually might not make the money that you desire and you are going to be hustling. So you do not want to be doing business privately and then get into government contracting to hustle. Because I've seen situations where companies are always fighting to outbid other companies and because they are competing on pricing, trying to be the middleman, they sometimes end up with situations where they can't meet payroll, people are not getting paid on time, invoices are not getting paid on time, they're getting sued, they have to, uh, to file um, bankruptcy. So these are real cases that I've had to go into the company to try and fix. So this is why the session was very important for me to hold, because. I have seen so much misinformation out there. So you do not want to get into government contracting to get yourself into trouble because if you default on any government, trust me, it is the worst person, the worst institution to try to default on or to mess with. They will make your life miserable. And when I mean miserable, properly, and let me use my Nigerian pigeon accent, you go enter Wahala. So you don't want that. You're going to get into so much trouble. So on this note, <laughs> yes, only you know, you know what is Wahala. Now correct. You go enter. Correct Wahala. One chance. Finish. So yeah, on this note, <laughs> thank you so much for everybody for being here. Uh, uh, for a quick minute, if you can drop your details down in the chat so you can connect with one another and possibly also learn, possibly collaborate. You know, in government contracting, subcontracting is a thing. You don't need to be a prime. You can make millions, multi-millions subcontracting for a company like Dr. Kizzy's, subcontracting for KB, subcontracting for Don, subcontracting for Hulu, Olu. So drop your details, connect with one another and possibly, and get in touch. When I'm saying drop your details, actually get the details and get in touch with people. I saw Dr. Kizzy on YouTube. I DM'd her. So if I was like, no, I can't get in touch. She doesn't know me she wouldn't be here. 
So get in touch with each other.